I told her I needed, I told the church I needed a sheep bell last week. I need a little bell. And she said, I'm a little bell. So there's my little bell. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, online community. It's great to have you with us here today. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at the Gathering Place Church. The greatest thing I've heard about this upcoming Memorial Day picnic, which is going to be a blast, is that Jerry uh, Demink, world-class guitarist, and Mark Coppersmith, world-class guitarist, and Lance, who actually is a world-class musician, uh, are all going to be playing acoustic out at the park. So it's going it's to be a great day. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. How many of you so far um, living on this planet, how many of you have experienced some measure of suffering? Don't look at your spouse when you raise your hand. Just... The question on earth isn't whether we are going to suffer. It is... Uh, what are you going to do with the suffering? How are you going to respond to the suffering? Are you going to get anything out of the suffering? And are you going to go through the suffering with or without God? We looked at this hardcore last week that some people distance and disconnect from God because of suffering. Like, why would you let this happen? You need to turn that why into a what do you want me to get out of this? And I need you in it so we can walk through it together. The last thing you want to do is allow the suffering to disconnect you from the only source of comfort you will have going through that suffering. And uh, as a friend of mine says, don't waste a good trial. Get something out of it. Look what Paul says, Second Corinthians, nobody here has or will ever suffer the way the Apostle Paul did. And look what he writes in Second Corinthians. We wish you could see how all of this, talking about suffering, the context of suffering, I wish... And I say this to all of us here and online. I wish we could see how all of this suffering is working out for your benefit. And how the more grace God gives. People when they say, how can you be going through what you're going through and still have joy, still have peace, still have hope? Everybody say, the grace of God. Say it again, the grace of God. The deeper the trial, the more grace you get. Some people get upset when somebody has an encounter with God in church and they don't. Well, they needed it, you didn't. That's what that's about. The deeper the need, the more God you get. Miracles are for when you're completely off track or you're in some kind of a tragedy. You need a miracle to get you back on track. We don't live by miracles. We live by principles and truth and faith and faithfulness, courage, right? But every once in a while you need a miracle. I love miracles. He goes on to say, and how, how more grace God gives, the more thanksgiving will redound to his glory, obviously. This is the reason why we never collapse. Why? Because of the grace of God. The outward man indeed suffers wear and tear. Has anybody experienced just a little bit of wear and tear on your outward man? That would be your physical body. Anybody? Yeah, I haven't yet. And... Uh, but every day, the inward man receives fresh strength. Isn't that great? Isn't that so true? It's like the older you get, the, the, the more mature you get on the inside, the more wisdom you have, the more you know, courage you have, but your outer body just isn't keeping up with you. It's going in opposite direction. It's so frustrating. But, hey, good news. When you die and go to heaven, you get a brand new body. Everybody said amen. Yeah. There's no diets in heaven. You don't need them. But every day the inward man receives fresh strength. These little troubles, he calls these little troubles, which are big troubles. But here's why he calls them little, which are really transitory. This is all about suffering. No matter how deep your suffering is, it's temporary. It's transitory. Even if it lasts your entire lifetime on earth, it's still temporary and transitory. This is what he's saying. He goes on to say, these little troubles, he's talking about being beaten, whipped, persecuted, abandoned, starved. That's his little troubles. Are winning, everybody say winning. winning. Your trials are winning for us a permanent, glorious, and solid reward out of all proportion to our pain. That's why this continuation from last week's message in our hope series is finding purpose in the pain. Right here he says it. That the glory is completely out of proportion to the pain. 
For we are looking all the time, say all the time, not at the visible things, the suffering, but at the invisible. The visible things are transitory. It is the invisible things that are really permanent. Can I hear an amen from the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? So last week, we uh, were embarking on 1 Peter chapter 5, where, Paul, where Peter's addressing suffering Christians. And he says, there's four things to do and four blessings you can expect. I was going to preach that last week, and we got stuck on number one. And so I'm going to revisit number one very quickly, and we're going to get through the rest of these today, because we all need to hear what Peter has to say. So here are the four things that Peter says to do when you're suffering, and then you will have four blessings to expect. Number one, humble yourself. How many were here last week? Did you find ways to humble yourself this week? Did you look for them? I had one church member call me and literally say, uh, Pastor John, I humbly want to say to you, he, he set it up that way. And then he asked for an apology. I said, oh, no, I didn't even notice that. You don't have to apologize. I thought, but it, praise God, somebody heard the message. Look for ways to humble yourself because pride closes heaven and opens hell. Humility opens heaven and closes hell. Pride is nasty, nasty, nasty. That's why Peter says this. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Remember, I told you about what clothed, what that means in, uh, in Peter's time, it was Jesus coming down from heaven. He took off his divine privileges and he put on the lowest. Uh, no, we're not. We did this last week. I will be wearing this today as I barbecue for my daughter's uh, graduation, college graduation party. Jesus put on the apron of the lowest house slave, and he served his people. And guess what? He's still doing it for us today. He's still serving us with blessings and protection. He's praying for you and me right now. He's, God is still serving us. It's just it's hard to grasp. Peter says, be clothed with humility. Put on an apron and serve one another. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. He does want you exalted, but he doesn't want you exalting you. He wants to exalt you. I'm rushing through this first point because we've got to get to the other three. Last week, we talked a lot about what humility looks like, but here's why I want to visit this one real quick before we move on. One of the expressions of humility that I really want to communicate is this. Humility receives help from others. You can't always be the giver. That's not fair. And you're not always going to be up. Trials have a way of bringing you to the end of yourself, the end of your money, the end of your mental health, the end of your emotional reserve, the end of your physical strength, all your resources depleted. But that's why God has called us into community. And if your pride or, or low self-esteem will not allow you to receive help from others, you won't make it. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, God will not give you more than you can handle? Raise your hand if you've heard that. Okay, that is not in the Bible. Did you know that? There's one verse in the Bible that says, God will not allow you to be tempted with sin beyond your ability to resist it, and he will give you a way out of that sin. That's in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It was talking about being tempted by sin. It would be unjust for God to allow you to be in a situation. He says, don't sin, be holy. But then you're tempted, but he doesn't give you the strength to resist the temptation or a way to get out of that temptation. But if he was talking about not allowing life to be too heavy for you, then why would he say to us, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ? That word burden means a boulder, a crushing boulder. When you have a boulder on you and you cannot carry it yourself, you need friends. But so often, God sends friends to help you, but because of pride or false humility or a sense of unworthiness, not want to put other people out, you say, no, 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 no. I learned a long time ago to say, yes, 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 yes. So don't get around me and offer something unless you're serious about it. Because I'm going to say yes. And you know what I found? My life is so much richer, so much deeper, 
and I have so much more stuff. <laughs> and my friendships, what friendships are your favorite friendship, your best friendships? The one where it's always fun and games or the ones where you've gone through suffering, shared at the deepest level, you were vulnerable and transparent and they helped you get back on your feet and you helped them get back on their feet. How many, how many of you have friendships like that? Which ones do you prize more? The ones that were giving and receiving or just the one where you're always giving and never receiving, they're always giving and never receiving. It doesn't deepen your friendships. Humility is an honest assessment of your present condition. When you're down, you just need to be honest about it. Say, I'm weak, I'm suffering, I'm in need. Will you help me? And when you're up, of course, you go to someone who's down and you help them. Humility is simply an honest assessment of your present condition. We also need help from God. That's why he goes on to say, humble yourself under the mighty hands of God. What does that mean? Hands are things that control things. We all want to control. We want to control people. We want to control our spouses. We want to control our kids. We want to control our parents. We want to control our friends' behavior. We want to control our circumstances, and we want to control the outcome of circumstances. But the longer you live, the more you realize that you don't have much control at all. And then we just primarily try to control ourselves, which is hard too. And so that's why he says, humble yourself under the mighty hands of God. Let God be the Lord, the control of the orchestrator of your life. The sooner we can come to that place, the better. But it is not easy because that means we have to trust God with our kids, with our money, with our marriage, with our careers, with our ministries. And trust, we don't come by that very quickly, do we? But without trust, we can't do the second thing Peter says to do, and that's this. Cast your cares upon God. He says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. That word casting your care, the only other place it's found in the Bible is when they took a blanket and they threw it on the donkey that Jesus rode into town on. It literally means this here is a weighted blanket. Anybody have a weighted blanket? These things are heavy, right? Yeah. <laughs> this thing's like it has weights in it. This is the care that you're carrying. This is your child that has turned away from the Lord or is involved in risky behavior. These are your finances that are weighing you down. You don't have enough money at the end of the month. This is your marriage that you don't think is going to make it. This is you feeling misunderstood, not understood lonely this is a sickness or a disease this is a betrayal of a friend this is your guilt and shame it's a weight it's weighing you down the bible says that anxiety in the heart of man causes depression but a good word makes it glad what does god say what does peter say to do with the weights in your life what did it just say what's that scripture say that word literally means to violently throw your cares. That's literally what it means. Why did I just pick on the two strongest guys in the church? No, I'm not taking it back. That's what we do though, isn't it? We go, we cast our cares on the Lord, and then after the prayer time, we take them back, don't we? Or we're walking away and the cares just seem to get thrown back on us. Here's what you got to do when that care is coming back on you after you've given it to the Lord, right? And that care starts coming back on you as now I need you to throw it, but you're not. Throw it at me. When that, the care starts to come back on you, throw it. You say, no, I'm not taking it. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm not taking that care back. That's what casting your care means. It's so hard, isn't it? Why? Because, and isn't it interesting that there's two words, care, and it says, don't you, it says, cast all your cares on the Lord for he cares for you. It's like, wait a minute. Does that mean that the Lord is anxious too? No. Two different words. The first word, which you're violently thrown off yourself into the hands of the Lord, is, it means anxiety. 
It describes any affliction, difficulty, hardship, misfortune, trouble, or complicated circumstance that arises as a result of problems that develop in our lives. Can anybody identify with that right there? Yeah. The second word care is a completely different Greek word, and it means this. It means to be concerned, to be thoughtful, to be interested, to be aware, to notice, or to give painful and meticulous attention. It's like that friend you have, and you're both single, and then that person gets married. And then it's kind of like it changes, right? It's like, ah, now you're a third wheel. But then you get married, and now you can have double dates, right? And everything's great. And then the worst thing can happen to your friendship with this couple. They have a baby. Right? And then you go out, and what's the only thing they want to talk about? They're a baby. Isn't she so cute? Isn't she just wonderful? Oh, look at her now. Oh, look, she's drooling. Oh, isn't that cute? Oh, look at her. Oh, oh, she rolled over. Oh, now she's walking. Oh, look at her now. Oh, look how we dressed her up. Oh, you know, and Instagram and Facebook and, you know, every, you know, it's, oh, a picture of my baby, my baby, my baby. It's like, you know, I mean, it's like, come on. After a while, can we talk about something else? No. Why? Because that you're captivated by your child. As a parent, that's the word being used here. That God is captivated with your life. He knows every stitch, every ounce, every pain, every joy, every hope, every fear, every mistreatment. He sees it all. He's not going to stop it all. That's what throws us off. He doesn't promise to deliver us from all of our suffering, but he does promise to go through all of our suffering with it and if you can make that shift in perception then you say okay god this is really hard (sighs) let's do this together i need your grace as i go through this suffering and he will communicate with you all the way through it but casting our cares on the lord is not easy is it how many of you walked in here with anxieties today worries concerns i wake up in the middle of the night i think about my kids and i get this knot in my stomach i just can't you know and then you catastrophize right you think about the worst case scenario they're going to become a drug dealer i just know it right they're going to kill people you know i'm exaggerating but it's like our minds just race right because you care so much about people or it could be your finances or you know your career or whatever it might be or a loved one and we catastrophize right so in that moment what do you do we've got to have the ability to throw that care into the hands of the lord but there's two things that have to happen for you and i to be able to do that one we have to believe that god truly cares that he truly sees and he truly cares which is why i gave you that definition of care meticulous attention he does care he does care the second question is is he really going to do anything about it can he do anything about it will he do it the way i want and in the time that i want no probably not and so now we start to control again right but here's what i found i've heard story after story after story after story of almost 40 years of ministry and in my own life when somebody finally releases the care of whatever that thing is, so often, in short order, it's taken care of. Like example, my sister. She was praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for her son who went to college and got caught up in the party scene. And she was praying that he would give his life back to the Lord and serve the Lord. And she was so anxious about it, losing sleep, the whole thing. You know what that feels like, those that have kids. And then one day she finally took her son, the care of her son's condition, his spiritual condition, she finally threw it on the Lord. That very week, once she released it, her son going to college was going to go to a a frat party. And it was going to be one of those. But somebody invited him to go to a Christian retreat at the same weekend. And he was trying to decide which one he was going to do. He ended up going to the Christian retreat 
got gloriously saved, and he's been serving God ever since. What happened there? What happened there? Once you release the care of that person or that thing, it now becomes God's care. As long as your hands are on the control, God will just watch and say, okay, let me know when you want me to have my hands on the control. Let me know when you want me to orchestrate that situation. We're down there going, you know, I mean, just manifesting. Just what that does to your soul, man. And you finally cast it. You get a, God, that burden's off. You're trusting God that he cares and that he can. Say God cares and God can. Come on, say it. God cares and God can. Say it again. God cares and God can. Now it's in His hands. Humble yourself from the mighty hands of God, casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Unfortunately, we usually don't learn this until we have held on to so many things in our lives that it's just eaten us alive, reduces, uh, decreases our immune system, breaks our relationships, robs our mental health and our emotional health. We're forcing issues. And then we have to come to a place where we have no choice but to give it to God. And then we watch what God does. And it's like, oh, gosh, I wish I'd done it a long time ago. How many of you today need to cast the concern of your children into the hands of God? Or the outcome of a situation that you just can't do anything about? You're powerless. I'm in a situation like that right now with a solar company. Powerless. 26 emails. 15 phone calls. I finally said something to somebody on the phone yesterday. Poor rep. I never come off this way. I never say this. I just said, thanks for nothing, and I hung up. I was like, oh, wow, that was awful. But, you know, I just, I just felt powerless. Get it? Powerless. Thank you for that. I wanted to call back and apologize, but, you know, you'd never find that person again. It's a phone bank. But. So I've cast the care on the Lord. They're going to give me back seven times. Okay, number three. Okay, this sets you up for something that you don't realize. This pride and this anxiety or the humility and the casting of your cares has more to do with spiritual warfare than you may realize. Because the next point Peter says is be aware. Be aware of what? Let's see what he says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Who do you think is the one he's going to be able to devour? The one who's on the battlefield all pride. I don't need anybody. I can take care of myself. Give no quarter, take no quarter. That's right. That's me. Plus, you got all the burdens of your life. Oh, I can handle the burdens of my life. I have no problem taking care of everything and everybody i can do this all my no i don't need your help no 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 i'm good i don't need your help no no i'm fine really no really i can handle this don't worry about it no i got this i got this no it's fine no back up get away from me i'm fine i can do this all by myself oh i can do this really i'm fine boy i wish i had some friends i wish i had some friends to help me boy i wish i had some friends to help me oh Oh, I have one friend. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. That's, that's called community. That's called community. He says, be sober. That means self-controlled. Don't give the... Look, the devil seeking whom he may devour. Don't give him outbursts of wrath. Don't give him sexual lust that's unbridled and you get into fornication and adultery and pornography. Don't get into alcoholism and drug addiction, these substances that we go to for relief or that inappropriate relationship even if it's emotional at work or whatever it might be say be self-controlled satan is looking for ways to take advantage of you don't give him help and you can't do that alone you need a community we all need one another and be vigilant that means alert like someone you know someone's going to break into your house now if you're equipped you don't have to be afraid but you do need to be aware you're, like, you're, you're looking out the windows. Satan is 
is strategizing the demise of your marriage, your family, your finances, your health, your ministry, your career. Paul says we are not ignorant of his strategies. Now, Peter would have known something about this, wouldn't he? When Jesus says, you know, I'm going to be crucified. And Peter says, no way, Lord. No, I will never let this happen. Right? Pride. Not aware. That's how Peter can write this letter. And so Jesus says to Peter in Luke 22, Simon, Simon, stand, or Satan is, his name's not Stan, Satan. Satan has asked, sorry, apologize all the stands in the world. <laughs> Satan has asked to test all of you as a farmer sifts his wheat. I have prayed that you will not lose your faith. How precious is our Savior? Help your brothers be stronger when you come back to me. The Lord knows we're going to stumble, but he knows we're going to come back. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I'm ready. Pride. I'm ready to go with you to prison, even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows this day, you will say three times that you don't know me. Well, Peter learned through his failure to stand. And that's the next thing he says. Stand your ground. He says this in 1 Peter 5, 9. Resist him. Talking about Satan. Resist him. What does resist mean? Uh, this is what resist means. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to have... Let's see here. Who's got... Yeah. All right. Ready? You... Come here, Donnie. Okay, Donnie, come up here. Yeah, I'm going to make him come up here before I tell him what I'm going to do. Okay, you're Stan. I mean, Satan. You're Satan. And I'm just poor little me. Actually, you know what? Isabel, come on up here. Here we go, little Belle. Because I'm not sure you can take her, so I'm not sure I picked the right girl. All right, little Belle. Okay, to resist means this. You put your hands right here, and you put your hands on her right here, and you both are going to try to push each other back. Okay? Oh! Okay, stop. All right. Okay. That, we, yeah. We get the word resist from uh, antihistamine, right? You're, you're, it's an anti. You're resisting what's coming after you. That's what literally means stand your ground. Everybody say stand your ground. Satan's coming after you. He's coming after your marriage, your kids, your finances, your health, your friendships, your career, your ministry. He's saying, stand your ground, Peter says. He didn't stand his ground. He'll never not stand his ground again. And here's the thing. If we will stand our ground, it's, all, it's not a fair fight. This means, remember last week we said, in persecution, don't give in to self-pity. Give yourself into praise right? Self-pity will drain you of your strength. That's why he goes on to say this, uh, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. It's like, look, suck it up, buttercup. Everybody's suffering. It's not just you. Satan's not just picking on you. Life's not just picking on you. And then when you have that mentality, you remember Elijah, for those of you who know the story in the Old Testament, I'm the only one left serving God yeah. at your place of work, at your school, right? And God said, shut up. <laughs> I've reserved 7,000 prophets who have not bowed the knee to Baal, to pornography, to alcoholism, drug addiction, immorality, adultery. I have 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to the devil, to the enemy. Okay, when you decide to resist, go ahead and start resisting again. Here's the great thing. Blake, come here. Blake's the bodybuilder. Come here. Get over here. Let's go. That's what you get for sitting on the front row. You come over here. When you decide to resist, it's not a fair fight. Because guess who she gets on her side? The Holy Spirit. Let's go. Take no, yeah, come over here. Put your arms right here and right here. Now go. Yeah. Oh. Go again. Come on. Push the devil over. Seriously? There we go. There we go. There we go. It may take a little while. Remember, Satan attacked the Son of God three times. He hit him. Turn the stone into bread. He hit him. Fall down and worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms. He hit him. Throw yourself off his temple, right? 
And it says, Jesus kept coming back at him with the word of God. It is written, it is written, it is written. That's what the struggle looks like. It's toe-to-toe combat, right? And you're resisting until it says that Satan left Jesus for a more opportune time. Like maybe when he's not going to poke me with the word of God. If you will do these four things, humble yourself, cast your cares, be aware, and stand your ground. Come on, let's say it. Humble yourself, cast your cares, be aware, stand your ground. Let's do it again. Humble yourself, cast your cares, be aware, and stand your ground. If you do those four things, you get these four blessings. And he ends by saying this. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, this series is about hope. I'm talking about having hope in the suffering. Where do we get our hope from? If you will stay in the fight and suffer well and don't give in to self-pity and resist the enemy and have a community around you, God will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Those are the four blessings. To perfect you means to completely restore you. How many of you like some restoration in your life? Anybody? Completely restore you, like Job, who lost it all. God completely restored him. A biblical restoration isn't back to the original state. It's two, four, five, or seven times the original state. He will, if you will just stay in the suffering well, he will completely restore you. You got to trust him. Secondly, he will establish you. That means make you immovable. Who wants to be immovable? Come on. This stuff doesn't happen because you get miracles every day. It's because you go through the valley of the shadow of death with Jesus. And as you're going through that valley of the shadow of death and you're suffering and you're depending on God and you're calling out to God and you have brothers and sisters around you that you're going through it with and you're in the word of God, something has happened on the inside of you. God is more concerned about what's happening inside of you than around you. Do you know that? He cares more about your character than your comfort. I hate it. I don't like it. But until we stop being shallow Christians and getting upset with God when trials and sufferings hit our lives and recognize the whole purpose of our salvation is to be transformed into the image of Christ, that doesn't happen in a microwave. That doesn't happen because we're being blessed. That happens because you don't quit. And when you come out of the suffering, you are perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. That immovable, I'm going to come to a close here and we're going we're to respond. It's like when I was a teenager, me and my friends were out on a country road in Columbus, Ohio, and we were going, well, my idiot friend was going like 75, 80 miles per hour down a country road at night. He didn't see the bend, and so we just, just went off into the farmer's field, airborne, bam, right into an oak tree. Do you know that oak tree didn't move, Blake? Oak trees in Ohio don't move. Yeah, I still have a scar up here, but the guy in the back changed the radio with his face. He had like 70 stitches in his face. And, but we all, we all somehow walked out alive. The car was completely totaled. But the oak tree is my point. The, the oak tree didn't budge. This is what God's doing with you. He's making you into an oak tree. It's like the, it's like the little seedling in the forest, that little seedling of this oak tree. I'm an oak tree. I'm an oak tree. And there's this huge oak tree next to him. He says, you're not an oak tree yet. The little seedling grows up a little bit more. I'm an oak tree. I'm an oak tree. And the big oak tree says, you're not an oak tree yet. It grows up a little more. A couple branches. I'm an oak tree. I'm an oak tree. You're not an oak tree yet. And all of a sudden, a storm comes through that forest. And these, I mean, the trees are bending, and the branches are flying off, and trees were uprooting, and just total destruction. The storm passes, and there's that little oak tree still there. 
knees knocking. The big oak tree says, now you're an oak tree. Now you're a Christian. Now you're a true follower of Christ. Because you didn't throw in the towel. You didn't shake your fist at God. You said, okay, suffering is part of the Christian life. And I'm going to suffer well. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to cast my cares. I'm going to be aware. And I'm going to stand my ground. And God will perfect me, establish me, strengthen me, and settle me. And then the last thing he says is, he ends this passage with, To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to close with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 1, 8-11. This is the Apostle Paul again. He says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Isn't that amazing that he admits that? The Apostle Paul. Far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Anybody ever been there before? Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. They had decided it's over. It's over. Whatever your situation, maybe you've been there. But, everybody say but. but. I love the big buts in the Bible. But, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Wow, what a scripture. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. <laughs> Woo! I hate the process, but I love the product. I hate the suffering, but I love the settling. I hate the harassment, but I love the hope. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. Look at that faith. Look at that hope and suffering. He will deliver us again. See, when you've experienced it, now you've got a little bit of history you can lean on. God's faithfulness. On Him, let's say this last scripture out loud, this last part of this, and we're going to close up. Say this out loud. On Him, we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. And then He says, as you help us by your prayers, this is the community piece, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. That's why we got to be praying for each other. It's, he just says, through your prayers for me and mine for you, and you for you, and us for each other. That's why we do 30 for 30. Commit to praying 30 minutes a day for your church family for 30 days. Every day, 30 minutes. That's the shield. Satan's trying to break in and destroy people's lives. Prayer is our shield. He said right here, we know God will continue to deliver us because of your prayers. What do you need to do today out of those four things? Do you need to humble yourself? Yes. That would be a yes. That's your humble yourself alarm or reminder to humble yourself. Do you need to humble yourself? You online community as well. What do you need to focus on right now, this week? I need to humble myself. I'm so defensive. I'm so unteachable and unyielding. How's that working out for you? Humble yourself. Or, like me, would it be the casting of your cares? Just violently throw the anxiety into the hands of God. Maybe that's what you need to do here in just a minute when we have our response time. What is that thing, that gnarly, heavy thing you're carrying that you need to put into the hands of God. 
Or maybe you need to be more aware of your behavior, the music you're listening to, the things you're watching, the people you're hanging out with, your behavior, your attitude, giving Satan opportunity. Remember, he's uh, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't give him opportunity. Maybe you need to be more aware or is that you need to stand your ground. You two soldiers right here. You guys are soldiers, right? You need to be spiritual soldiers too. You have an enemy and he's, you can't see him. And he's after you. But if you'll stand your ground, you will overcome him. close our eyes and let's come to the Lord. What is your response to today's message? Is it humility? Casting your care? Maybe your care is a question about why God didn't or why God did or where was God or maybe you just need to cast that care. That word care literally means to divide the mind. It's like it's making your, your head split with Stress. That's what that word means. If it's humility, ask the Lord, say, Lord, where do I need to humble myself? And just listen to the Holy Spirit in just this moment. Say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to humble myself? Just listen for a moment. See what comes to your mind. I just got what might be a word of knowledge. It's in the Bible. It's where the Holy Spirit gives you something spontaneously of a father who needs to call a child and apologize. That stubbornness is going to cost you that relationship. Boy, if a church would humble themselves, Satan could never divide it. Maybe you need to cast your cares. Let's come to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, what anxiety, what worry, what care do I need to violently thrust into your hands right now? Now do it. Violently thrust. It doesn't mean you won't have a part to play, but you can't know the part you're supposed to play until you give the whole thing into God's hands. Then He will give you what part for you to do and it won't be the whole thing violently throw that into his hands right now let it go let it go let it go if you need to be self-controlled and aware check yourself before you wreck yourself right now just think about your sloppiness in an area of your life that the enemy's giving the enemy, giving the enemy access. Choose to close that door right now. And if you're in the group that you need to stand your ground rather than giving to self-pity or deciding you're, someone decided you were going to throw in the towel today, this message was for you. The Lord says to you, don't quit. Stand your ground. Let's all stand and let's come to the Lord. Let's worship Him. After we worship this last song, we'll have the prayer teams come up, have people lay hands on you, prophesy over you, cast devils out of you if needed, pray for physical healing in your body, may have a word of knowledge for you. Well, let's come back into the presence of God and let the Holy Spirit keep doing this deep work in us today. Church, you feel strengthened? You feel encouraged? You feel stronger? Come on, let's go vertical. He's awakening the hope in me by calling forth my destiny.
into my soul I will thirst for him and him alone he has gone like a so that people can hear the prayer the, the needs and the prayers people ask this room is the acoustics are horrible so we're going to keep the music really low but we want you to have a power encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ today 
And that's why these prayer teams come up here. They're ready to pray with you. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, now is the time. Jesus is calling you. He is drawing you because there's a day when the curtain's going to close and the opportunity for salvation is over. And you will stand before God and you will have to give an account for your life. And the Bible says one sin separates you from the holy presence of God forever. That's why God sent his own son to the earth as a human being, lived a sinless life, and then died on the cross for you to pay your price, to take your place. But you have to receive that. Nobody can say yes for you. You have to say yes. That's the first point of humility. And when you say yes to Jesus, you are going to experience a peace in your soul you've never known before. Because it's His peace that He only gives to those who say yes to Him. If you've never done that, as people start moving from their seats and coming up here for prayer, you move out from your seat and you come up. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You gave your life to the Lord one time, but man, you are far from where you used to be. The Lord can heal you that fast. Just come up. So I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. That may be you online. Just make a comment there online. I'm giving my life to the Lord today or I'm coming back to the Lord today. Whatever your need is, just move from your chair now. Begin to make your way up front and let these prayer team members pray for you. Everybody else, God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. I want to pray a blessing on you as you go. Lord, I pray that your face would be turned toward your people. I want to rephrase that. I thank you, Lord, that your face is turned toward your people. That your favor is upon us. And that your smile radiates over our lives. Lord, I pray for those who are going through suffering. That they will choose to do it with you. That when it's all said and done, they will see what you did in them. As glory to your name, Jesus. Everybody said amen and amen and amen.